vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original U.S. air date. So that means today we're talking about Wild at Heart. Um, and we're also going to do a little moment of talking about Sense and Sensitivity, the Angel episode that aired the same night. It's going to be a smaller postscript tonight because I forgot to take notes with the Angel episode. And I only watched the Angel episodes once. <laughs> so I wasn't going to make myself watch it again just because I completely forgot to take notes. I don't know how that happened. It just did. So we're going to do a weird little experiment for the Angel episode, but we'll do that later. So we don't have to talk about that yet. So first of all, we have to set the scene. I almost completely forgot to do this today. I was like, you know, I worked today and then we like, you know, did grown up things, got groceries, got dinner, that kind of shit. And then I came home, started playing with tarot cards because that's what I do every day. I am a tarot reader. If you guys are interested in my services, I have an Etsy shop. It is Mixtress Tarot and all my readings are 50% off. So they're pretty reasonable and I would love to read for you. So it's on Etsy etsy.com slash mixtress tarot um so i was just playing with tarot cards and just kind of you know settling in thinking about putting my jammies on <laughs> and michael's like don't you have to do buffy <laughs> like oh shit so it's quite possible i would have completely forgotten to do this tonight if he hadn't said that um that's that's just kind of how my brain works it's very it's very that, and I'm going to have to get used to it because I basically just work every Saturday these days. So it's harder to like keep this whole thing working to my liking when I have to work on Saturday. But anyway, you guys don't care. Believe me, I, or just rest assured that there is no way I'm going to forget about you guys, even if I do forget completely to record an episode. Um, I will rectify it and it'll be fine. <laughs> like, I am dedicated to this project even though I really just wish it didn't fall on a Saturday. That would just be super helpful if it fell on like, I don't know, Wednesday? Wednesday would be perfect for me, you know, Let's, if that could happen. Uh, I don't know, it may, it may kind of fall on a different day in future seasons. I don't know. I don't look ahead. I just look like a year ahead and that's it. Anyway, um, just to set the scene, because it is late at night, because I almost forgot to do this, I am going to, I'm sitting in my little office, I'm going to see if I can do this by candlelight. So I'm going to light a couple of candles. I need to see, the only thing is I need to see my notes. So I may not be able to do it by candlelight, but we're going to check. We're going to check and see. So I just lit a couple of candles. And also because it is night. It's late at night. I have a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of whiskey left. Probably not even a shot's worth. And we're going to anoint. It's about half a shot. We're going to toast in celebration to... Talking about some pain. Talking about Willow's pain. Okay, toast to that. Okay, let's see if this works. I've got three candles in here. 
I'm going to put them next to my notes. You guys love the narration, don't you? I do, so that's why I do that kind of shit. Like, no one ever does that, but I love it when people are like, okay, and then I'm going to do this over here. And just so you know, I am using a composition notebook. <laughs> if you guys care about that shit, that is how I take my Buffy notes with a composition notebook. Okay, now I'm going to turn the light off. Oh, it's too dark. It's too dark. I can't see my notes. Okay, no, wait. If I move the saint candle closer, then I can see my notes. Okay, yeah, we're doing this by candlelight today, guys. It's going to be fun. Still arranging my candles for optimum lumens. Okay, this is exciting. I have a lot of candles in my house, so I really could just, like, go get more, but, you know, three is good enough. I suppose I could also turn my lava lamp on. I forgot to do it earlier, so the lava won't actually be moving, but the light might add a little bit of ambiance. Okay, <laughs> now that I've set the scene, let's talk about Wild at Heart. So, this is a really well-structured episode, I think. Um, the problems that I have with it, first of all, I think they didn't really take quite enough time setting this whole thing up. Like, from what I've read, the writers knew that they were going to, like, write this in, that, you know, Oz was going to have a crisis of identity and, you know, he and Willow were going to have to break up and he was going to have to go away. They knew that was going to happen, but then he got, like, Seth Green got, like, a movie deal or something and... So they had to push it up and do it a lot sooner than they were planning. So I think the development of this was a little rushed. I mean, before this episode, we saw him noticing Veruca that first episode of season four. We saw him kind of being distracted by her while she was singing in the last episode. I think, or the one before, and then it all hits in this one. And I mean, at least they set it up a little bit, but I think they didn't quite do it right. Um, I just, I wish they would have given it a little bit more time than just one episode, but that's just my nitpick. I think overall, if they had to do this whole arc with a couple of little moments and a couple of other episodes and then this episode in full then they did a pretty good job with that aspect so my first note is Buffy taking the fight elsewhere this was just a cute little moment of like really the only moment with just Buffy that we get in the whole episode um, despite the really the episode I guess it doesn't really end with Buffy because Buffy's having the conversation with Giles on the couch but then we get the last heart-wrenching scene between Oz and Willow at the end of the episode so really the only time we get to see Buffy in this episode is her fighting a vampire at the very beginning this first scene and I guess the writers had had kind of like a conversation about how are we going to tie this back to Buffy you know how does this fit with Buffy's storyline and then they realized that they didn't have to and 
of course they don't have to. That made me think, I really wish they would have done that more often. You know, because trying to force everything into a storyline for Buffy herself makes the other characters' developments too thin, in my opinion. So this is a rare instance where we get a whole episode that's just about Willow and Oz, you know, pretty much exclusively about Willow and Oz. So I wish they would have done that more often because the characters, characters other than Buffy deserve a lot more development than they have traditionally gotten on this show, in my opinion. Still rearranging my candles. Like, what if I put it up here? Does that help? Okay, that's pretty good. That's good lumen distribution. I like the dark. Okay. <laughs> I'm like so into the fact that it's getting dark at like 530. <laughs> I like I ideally it would be nice if it got dark at like seven. Um that would be kind of my sweet spot if it got dark at seven, but I I just love this time of year when the days just get shorter and shorter and shorter. Like, I'm just such a vampire. Anyway, um, so then the next scene after that first scene of Buffy fighting a vampire and she's just punning and everything's fine. You know, this episode is not about the emotional world of Buffy. So it's just a classy, classic Buffy vampire slaying. And then... The next scene is Willow, Oz, and Xander, and Buffy are all at the bronze. And Willow's just kind of talking about how cool it is to beat the bronze now because they're college students and this place is familiar. And she just feels comforted by the fact that it's the same. Which is, you know, an emotion I think we've all felt where you go back to something that is the same when so many other things in your life have recently changed and it's always comforting to find a thing that it's that is the same um and then Giles shows up because he's kind of like lately they've been showing him sort of being kind of needy towards the group like he feels it which totally makes sense you know like his he's used to you know, hanging out in the library and them coming in between classes and like he's used to his life being given purpose by all of them and they're they haven't quite like we've seen Giles's apartment more in the first several episodes of season four than we've ever seen it before but it still hasn't quite his apartments or his house still hasn't quite become a home base yet so you know he's very eager to be involved and in what's going on with everyone it's it's interesting that it hasn't even been brought up like why is he still here you know because he's not officially Buffy's watcher anymore um so why is he still there you know he could go home to England and obviously that's a plot point that will come up later and it has nothing to do with anything happening in this episode but it's interesting that that has not been brought up yet. Again, like all characters besides Buffy are not well fleshed out enough because there aren't enough episodes like this. Um, I'm glad in most 
in most TV these days, I feel like they give other characters more time that they don't just focus on. I know the show's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it doesn't have to always be about her. Okay, um, this is fun. Maybe I'll do like the show by candlelight every every time now, because it's always going to be night when I record this, since I never get off work. Actually, next Saturday, I get off work at 2.30 in the afternoon, so I could record this kind of earlier, before the sun sets next week if I want to. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm like distractible tonight. <laughs> um, okay, Giles is there, Veruca plays every Wednesday. So Veruca's playing when Giles gets there. And Giles and Xander and Veruca all three, or Veruca and Oz all three are kind of distracted by Veruca. And um, Buffy is noticing that Willow is really upset. Um, she just notices it. Um, and Buffy reacts by like downplaying Veruca, like, nah, she's very Kelfiona, which hurts me personally because Fiona Apple is my music soulmate. I've got to go ahead and put it out there. I get the sense from um, most of like the Buffy guides and criticisms and podcasts and things that I've sought out over the years, people are extremely annoyed by Veruca. I get it in the sense that like she's the one that was the impetus upon which Oz and Willow broke up. Like she's the other woman. Like I get the annoyance with her in that sense. But in but when I very first watched this show I was just as distracted by her as Oz and Giles and Sander in this scene. Um, it seems like that is not a popular opinion at all, but like, you know, people say that she overacts, that she, um, they don't like the way that she lip syncs, which to be honest, like the way that she is lip syncing to this music, this like slow trip hoppy type music, that's really just now that I'm older, I can really tell that does not look like she's actually singing that. But um, I think what she was trying, what the actress was trying to do, was she was trying to make all of her movements really animalistic. And I think she did a great job with that. I think she, she did a great job with creating a seductive presence. And... I think I might be in the minority by saying that, but I just wanted to speak my truth with you guys that I was, you know, I had a crush on her when I first watched this. I was completely entranced by the music. I ended up like seeking out the CD, which I think I've told the story before, but the band THC was at the time that I was looking for it. Like, I think it's on Spotify now, but at the time that, um, I first saw this, when I first saw season four, it was probably a couple years later. Um, I would have been seeing it in reruns as soon as season six was going. So that's when I first saw it. So at that time I had to like track down the band and email them and ask them if I could like, how, how do I find this CD? <laughs> 
<laughs> and they sent me, like, I bought a copy from them, like, through email or something. Like, it was something informal. Like, it wasn't like they had a shop on their website or something. And when they mailed it to me, it was just a burned-off copy. <laughs> like, I ordered it directly from the artist, but it wasn't, like, professionally done or anything. Um, it was just burned off and, like, the title was on it in Sharpie and everything. It was very DIY. Um, but I still love that album. I think it's just a great trip-hop album. So if you're into that kind of music, THC, um, the album's called Adagio. And I think you can find it on Spotify now. But anyway, um, I just... Michael's like, I was talking about how I had a crush on her. And he was like, so that's your type, huh? <laughs> and I think... And I tried to think about it like, what is my type? I, I mean, that's just like, it's a silly question and it has really no relevance to anything that we're talking about right now, but whatever. I'm apparently going to go off on weird tangents today. I think when it comes to women, my type is this sort of persona, you know, like Veruca, Faith, Drusilla, anyone that's like a bad girl, especially if she's got, especially if she's crazy, super strange and bonus if she has a really deep voice. So I really like like that sort of like husky voice like Veruca has. So like I totally get the appeal of her. And I used to be like kind of obsessed with the actress too. Like I remember let's find her name since we're talking about her. Give her her due here. Paige Moss. I remember looking her up at the time, you know, years and years ago when I first saw this episode and she hadn't really been in much else. And I don't think I ever even ended up seeing her in anything else, but I just thought she was so cool. You know, she has that feather tattoo next to her belly button. <laughs> she has those gorgeous green eyes and that smoky eye look. Like I realized that, you know, it's possible that every single person right now is cringing from me. <laughs> talking about her like on my um the the Buffy podcast that I always listen to buffering the vampire slayer they hate Veruca they even made up a jingle about how much they hate Veruca <laughs> and um and they're queer so like um it's just and they usually like have crushes on the same girls that I do but not in this case um, so anyway, just for all y'all out there, there might be a few of us that do also have a crush on Veruca, despite her clear badness level. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I do, I agree, pretty much I agree with Giles's reaction when Buffy is saying, nah, she's okay. She's whatever, bored. Kel Fiona. Giles says, I think she's rather remarkable such a presence for someone of her age. Yeah. Such presence for someone her age. So I think that's just a great way to put it. You know, he didn't, he didn't play it like he was like super attracted to her. He was just, you know, which of course Giles would never do that. He would never do that. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the next scene is just a cute morning moment between Oz and Willow. Willow, um, tells him that she's going to be going to a Wicca group and they have like an orientation for three nights 
and it's going to be the same three nights that he's going to be wolfing out this um, this cycle. So it's established that his that that night after that particular morning is the first night of his wolf cycle, which is the night before the full moon. So we're going to get it's it's kind of cool how this episode you know is very clear about where it is in the timeline. Um, it's so you get this sort of morning after Wednesday night. Like we could even like track it as because Wednesday night they were at the bronze and Thursday morning they wake up together and you know clear and then the night before the full moon he breaks out of his cage so that's Thursday night and then Friday night he calls Veruca to his cage after he's like you know blowtorched it back together soldered it back together whatever he was doing welding welding that's the word um solder <laughs> it's like solder but on a bigger scale <laughs> so that would have been Friday night and then Saturday night was when he killed Veruca and then Sunday morning is when he left Willow <laughs> just in case you wanted that timeline so this is very clear exactly what's going on throughout the course of this episode the timeline aspect of it kudos to Marty Noxon on that since she wrote this episode um okay where are we so then Willow's meeting up with Oz later that day for lunch or something and uh, nobody has food except Veruca <laughs> so Oz is meeting Willow but he just has like a coffee cup or something and he gets there and he's like looking for a table to wait for Willow and the only table available is like there's like three chairs open in a table with Veruca sitting by herself eating a burger and fries and Oz is impressed because she's eating a lot of food and Veruca's like I just hate girls that are like is there a dressing on that so the thing about Veruca most of the time I am on board with where she's coming from like she's here not only to be like a seductress to Oz which is what we hate her for but she's here to point out to him that he doesn't have complete control over his wolf self like he hasn't really and this is no fault of like Veruca blames it on Willow but it's no fault of her like at all Oz hasn't done any personal like development or like psychological shit he hasn't done any shadow work <laughs> surrounding the fact that he is a wolf you know he just locks himself up three nights out of the month and that's it he tries not to think about it otherwise you know he hasn't really dealt with it you know just locking yourself up to make sure you don't hurt people I mean great that's the bare minimum but she is really here to show him that he has more work to do and she kind of points out to him that you know like he is still in a phase where he doesn't really he's lying a lot in this episode though that's the one thing that like most of this I can find believable to Oz's character but what's not believable to his character is 
the fact that he lies so much in this episode. I don't think we ever see him do that. Um, we've seen him be a little cagey, protecting himself, trying to figure things out on his own before he comes to someone else, but I don't think we've ever seen him outright lie. I might be wrong about that, but um, anyway, she's here to show him that, and she kind of explains it like she, you know, we get the idea we get the sense that she has been a werewolf a lot longer than he has. And she kind of says, yeah, so you don't remember anything? Okay, yeah, it was like that at first for me too. And she kind of says, I can help you. Um, you'll start to remember, like little things will start coming back and you'll start to remember things. You know, she's really integrated the werewolf into her identity and it's, it's almost a shame that we didn't get a chance to explore her as a fully formed character. Like, like obviously she could have more of like a faith story arc where like right now she has accepted the wolf within herself to such an extent that she allows herself to go and kill. Um, but there could be something in between I lock myself up three nights a week to make sure nothing happens to me and I remember nothing when I become a werewolf. There could be something in between that and the way that Veruca is doing it. So it, it could have been an interesting alternate story arc if they had played with her as a viable character that could learn and grow, you know? Um, I think it's something that really should have been more commented on that she was just killed at the end of this episode. I think that was the wrong thing to do. The only reason why I think she was killed was I think we were supposed to forgive Oz for what he did and seeing him fiercely defend Willow's life to such an extent that he kills Veruca for her despite how much he wants her in an animal way, as Willow says, um, I still think it was the wrong decision to kill her. And I kind of get the motivation because Veruca just like, at the end, she explicitly tells Willow that she's going to kill her. So it makes sense that he would defend her by, but he didn't see her say that. So he doesn't necessarily know that that's why she's there, but I mean, I guess we can assume that. We can safely assume that. So I guess it makes sense that like as the werewolf, like basically this episode is about Oz does not have the control that he wishes he had. Like he's all about emotional control. And this is kind of the moment where the veil is lifted and you see that he doesn't actually have emotional control. He's been faking it and he's been lying. At least we see him lie in this episode. Okay, so my next note is Willow is academically jealous of Buffy. So that's just a good little moment. This is the first time we ever see Buffy like, this is the first little inkling that she's kind of interested in this psychology class. Um, so she got like a good score on the paper and Professor Walsh wants her to like lead a discussion or something. And, um, it's just a cute little moment between Willow and Buffy. 
And we'll get a few more of those because Buffy kind of gets into school for like a second and it's kind of cute. Um, Oz has to sit with Veruca. Okay, I already talked about that. I really actually like, so whenever he sits down with her and at lunch or whatever at the table, she, they start talking about like amps and music talk and stuff. And I found it to be just kind of a natural sounding conversation. And when Willow sits down and she's like all upset because like she can't really join in the conversation. I don't know. That felt a little over the top to me. Um, let me know if I'm wrong. Mixtress radio at Gmail is where you can email me to tell me I'm wrong. Um, I just didn't, I don't know. Like I've, I mean, we've all had those moments where like we are jealous of a situation of a couple of people having something in common and having a really good, good conversation. And you're kind of a fly on the wall. Um, and you can feel really left out. And I know that that's what this was supposed to portray. And I guess it's just because it's just an episode of television. You know, it's like this whole story has to be told in 42 minutes. This would have been better as a two-parter because I would have liked to have seen, I mean, if we had seen that this conversation was like an hour of them sitting together and eating and Willow's just kind of, you know, we'd seen some sort of seen some sort of time lapse of Willow just sitting there not being able to contribute to the conversation, but it was just a second, you know, like by the time Willow sits down, there's like, you know, three paragraphs of dialogue between the three of them. And then Oz gets up and leaves. Like, it's not even like none of them are eating. He leaves his fucking coffee cup there, which makes me mad. <laughs> Another Oz transgression doesn't take his coffee cup with him. Um, but at first, so when Willow first shows up, Veruca says hi to her. She engages her in conversation because they're talking about like amps or something and Willow misinterprets and thinks that they're talking about Elvis and she starts talking about how she loves Elvis and Veruca engages her. She's like, oh, you really like Elvis? And to me, it didn't seem like she was making fun of her, but maybe we were supposed to think she was making fun of her. It seemed like she was just genuinely trying to like talk to her. You know, it didn't seem like it was like this weird, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think in this scene, at least she was a genuine, she was an okay human to Willow. And this scene passes the Bechdel test because Veruca is talking to Willow about, well, I guess technically not since they're talking about Elvis. <laughs> I guess that doesn't count because they're talking about Elvis, who is a man. But I mean, she's asking her about an interest and she's bringing her into the conversation, which is more than Oz does in the scene. He doesn't try to bring Willow into the conversation at all. So he leaves, then Baruka kind of just leaves too, even though she's still got, you know, like a whole burger and fries. She does take the burger with her. So I think she left her fucking fries and Oz left his damn coffee mug. Like they're outside. Who's going to pick that up for you? <laughs> like, come on. 
Okay, anyway, that's just my own little detail nitpick right there. Um, then Buffy walks up and she's like, what's up with everybody bailing? And Willow says, oh, um, right when Veruca leaves, she says to Willow, nice shirt. And it's kind of like a, you know, or good shirt or something. I think we're supposed to think that she was making fun of her, but again, the way that she says it, and I am a person that's not, I'm autistic. I'm not very sensitive to sarcasm. So the way that she said it did not seem insulting to me. However, um, I, I, I think that we're supposed to think that she was being mean, like nice shirt, but she said it like good shirt, you know, like, and I guess because of Veruca's sense of style, we could maybe infer that she wouldn't like Willow's sense of style, but I've had people think that I'm insulting them when I say I like their whatever before, because I'm like a goth chick and sometimes I genuinely like, I mean, I like it when people dress like themselves, you know, Willow dresses like herself, you know, whenever a person shines through their true genuine light, whatever that is for them, it's beautiful. So I realized that's probably not what was happening here, but I just didn't interpret the way that she said it to be bad. But anyway, Willow asks Buffy, how come you didn't tell me I look like a crazy birthday cake in the shirt? And Buffy says, I thought that was the point, <laughs> which I think is just perfect because isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of all Willow's clothing to look like a crazy birthday cake? Yes. And that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing. Um... So Willow's insecure about the fact that, you know, Oz is noticing Veruca and Buffy has good advice. She's like, um, what does she say? I remember, I just wrote, Buffy has good advice, but I don't remember what the advice was. Um, oh, she just basically says, you know, sure, he could be noticing someone else. It's not like you haven't noticed someone else, but that doesn't mean he's going to stray. Um, he's just not the type to stray. And, um, I wonder if that's like a dog pun. I wonder if they put that particular wording in there of him straying because, you know, he's a werewolf. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I might be reading too much into it. Um, kind of loopy. Buffy has good advice. Oz has a mausoleum cage. Um, so this must be his new, since he can't lock himself in the, the book drop at the library at the high school now, since they blew up the high school, this is apparently his new spot. It's like in a mausoleum or something. And it, it looks really delicate. So night two, he locks himself in there, but you see after he transforms into a wolf, he breaks out. And then, um, he meets up with another wolf and they kind of like torment Professor Walsh for a second. And I think this is weird. It's like they didn't know yet who she was going to be. Like, did they not know she was the head of the initiative? Surely they knew that because aren't we going to find that out like in the next episode or something? So that's just a little weird that like her reaction is to like scream and run away. And then she talks about it to Buffy the next day if she's really the head of the initiative and she knows about all this supernatural shit, wouldn't she like keep 
that a secret or not talk about it in front of Buffy. You know, she doesn't know she's the Slayer. Okay. Um, so next morning, Oz wakes up in the woods naked with Veruca. They've got scratches all over each other. So I don't know if at this point we can assume that they had sex or that they just met as werewolves and tore each other up. Like, can werewolves have sex when they're in werewolf form? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so they end up going to a laundromat, which how did they get there? You know, they're naked. Like they just like scampered across campus completely naked and to the laundromat to steal someone's clothes. Um, Veruca of course finds a perfect matching bra and panty set that match, that not only match, but also fit her. Um, little roughly panties. She looks super hot. I think, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and this is where she kind of confronts him. Like she, he says something to the effect of, I'm only a wolf three nights a week. And Veruca says, or you're the wolf all the time. And this human face is just your disguise. Like she's being kind of an asshole about it. She's trying to seduce him in the middle of the fucking laundromat, the butt crack of dawn, which no one else is in there, but there's laundry everywhere. Like, does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know anything about campus laundromats. Um, and he resists her, but she has some good points. Like this is something that he needs to think about. Like in retrospect, I see that this is something he needs to think about. This is, um, because I'm a tarot nerd. If any of y'all are too, this, this entire episode reminds me of the strength card. Like Oz needs to, the strength card is all about overcoming sort of the animal instincts within you, the animal within, you know, just like learning to regulate. It's almost like when you, your prefrontal cortex becomes fully formed, which happens in your early to mid twenties. Um, you start to like quell some of your impulses and really get control of your full control over your emotions in a way that you never have before. Um, and Oz is going through that transition now. This entire episode seems like a perfect example of the strength card of learning that lesson of taming the beast within. Um, so he resists her. He's like, this stops now. Um, he says you shouldn't kill people because basically Veruca finds out that he usually is in a cage. Um, and she's like, what? <laughs> no, like, this is who I am. Why would I cage myself? And I can see how a person would get to that point. Um, but what's the deal with wolves, werewolves killing people? Do they kill just for pure anger? They're just beastly killers for no reason. Like, I feel like there isn't enough personality put into a werewolf. You know, I mean, they're ugly as fuck. I feel like they could have done a better job with the whole werewolf situation. If they really are making another Buffy, which I've heard that they are, I hope they do a better job with werewolf characterization. Um, so Oz starts lying. Like Willow comes over and she's wearing like leather pants and like her hair is all super razor spiky. And she's obviously trying to 
you know, be edgy and sexy. And she's coming over specifically to seduce him. And, um, he rejects her and she's, and he says, everything's fine. Um, then we get Giles. So at this point, Buffy has overheard Professor Walsh talking about wild dogs. So she goes to Giles to talk to him about it. And there's this cute little moment where, like, before she gets there, he's, like, eating lunch, watching, like, Jeopardy or something and answering the questions. And it's just a cute little Giles moment. And at one point he says, that dinette set should have been mine. It should be mine. <laughs> My next note was, his eyes so pretty. In this scene when um, the sun is just, like, shining in on his face and he takes his glasses off. And, like, we normally didn't. In the library, there wasn't that great of lighting, but like in Giles's house, there's a lot of sun. It's a much brighter, happier place. And you can see, it's just, he has the most beautiful eyes. Like, cause one of them is green. His right eye is like green and his left eye is like half brown. It's, it's very like, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but his eyes are two different, almost two different colors, but it's really just like a portion of his left eye is brown. Um, it just looks so cool. Every time like the light catches it right, it's just like, oh, Anthony Stewart head, you are a hobby. Um, Willow goes to Xander for advice. Um, I had a note, <laughs> Nicholas Brendan must be injured because he's only in two scenes in this whole episode. The first scene, he's just sitting at the table at the bronze and this scene, he's sitting very uncomfortably and he has a newspaper on his lap. So I almost wonder if like, was his leg broken or something because like his right leg is completely covered by the newspaper and he keeps like sort of adjusting himself in a strange way that just looks like maybe his back is injured or his leg or something like I don't I don't have any insider information except it just looks like he's really uncomfortable have you guys ever noticed that in the scene so he gives good advice too and he's like you know, because Willow tells him the whole situation and Xander says, you know, he knows that you're noticing that he's noticing someone else and he can feel it. So that's probably the whole weirdness that you feel. So just talk to him about it. And like, since when is Xander so fucking wise? Like, how did he just all of a sudden become wise? Maybe if there was a better story to this whole like road trip going to find himself besides just like I got like a state away and my car broke down and I worked at a strip club for a couple of months. Like I need more backstory. I want to hear more about what Xander went through on his summer like road trip by himself because obviously he somehow found himself because now he's like advice guy, you know, no, no Anya in this episode, sadly. Okay, where are we here? Oh, I just wrote down the quote um, that Xander said, Tinder Sarah McLaughlin love. I feel very seen by that. Um, next note, Oz with blowtorch. Oz lies to Buffy. So this is the other, like... I mean, of course it bothers me that Oz cheated on Willow. This bothers me, for sure. But what bothers me the most about the transgressions of Oz in this episode 
is when he lies. When he, he explicitly in this scene, Buffy asks him, she's like, Professor Wall said something about two wild dogs. Um, he admits that he got out of his cage, probably mostly because, you know, Buffy walks in while he's welding it back together. And she's like, oh, did you get out last night? And he says, yes. And, you know, then he tells, Buffy asks, like, do you know of another werewolf in the area or anything? Because, you know, she saw two. If one of them was you, who's the other one? And Oz says, no, I'm sorry. I just completely black out. You know, it's like, I'm not even there, you know, whatever. And that is what bothers me the most in this, you know, because he could have said, yes, actually, I woke up with someone else. But I mean, I, I guess it's also sort of, he's, he doesn't want to out her. So I guess I kind of get it. He doesn't want to out her. I don't, maybe there's a better way he could have done it. I don't know. Let's, let's not speculate on all the ways that this could have been done better, but that's his major transgression in this episode. I think it's the lying. Um, I enjoy the fact that, so he, he and Veruca both, when they woke up together after this first full, this full wolf night, <laughs> this full, this first full moon wolf night, they woke up together, both of them covered in scratches. So they had obviously like torn each other apart the night before. They're all like surface scratches though. So whatever, not that bad. And Oz, you know, covers his scratches, but Veruca does not. So the outfit of the episode is going to Veruca on this second day. Um, because she's wearing like, I don't know. I just think she looks hot. The, the wardrobe is great for her. Um, it, they're like corduroy teal bell bottoms. I think they might have buttons up the sides or something. And then it's just like a really simple, like gray tank top with like lace detail for the straps and um like cream colored lace detail for the straps and she's not wearing a bra and in the like so there's the scene where she's like rehearsing with her band and then it transitions into that's what she's wearing when oz like pulls her into the cage that second night um and while she's rehearsing she's wearing a necklace which is like this cool beaded like chandelier bib necklace kind of thing in like olive green and sort of gold tones. It's just very like, it's very like poison ivy. It's just, I loved it. Um, so the object of the episode is that necklace. Um, and the outfit of the episode is that outfit. She gets it. She gets it. I'm sorry. She does. Her boobs looked great. <laughs> no bra, pointy little boobs in a simple tank top and teal corduroy bell bottoms. Like so into that whole thing. But anyway, so you see Oz, like as this montage is happening with the, with, with THC's Need to Destroy, which is my favorite THC song. Um, so she's at rehearsal and then it trans and you see like, you see Willow's kind of upset while she's at her Wicca group thing, which I don't see Tara in the background. I, I didn't look super hard 
but I don't think we have seen Tara at all yet. Maybe the next episode? I don't know when we first see Tara. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, but there's also like you see little cuts of Oz. He's sitting on his bed and he's like contemplating, should I do this? Should I do this? I don't know. What is he thinking about doing? And then you find out when he's in the cage that he has called Veruca to call her there. Because, and it's with good intentions, like obviously he also wants her and he knows what he's going to do. This is premeditated cheating for sure. He knows he's going to do this, but he's also, even though he's doing it for the wrong reasons, he's also making sure that she is contained, you know, because now that he knows who she is, you know, with all of his faults, like the second he found out about her, the very first wolf night that he knew of that she was a werewolf, he made sure she was locked up because even though he's questioning like what it means to be a werewolf and he needs to redefine it for himself and blah, blah, blah. He still knows that killing is wrong. Even though he lied for her, even though he's being real weird and cagey, through all of that, he still knew that the right thing to do was to make sure she was caged. Did he use that as an excuse to lock her in with him so they could have wolf sex all night? Maybe. Maybe he did. But even though he was doing it for partially the wrong reasons, I think his motivation was that the end does not justify the means, but the end was a good intention overall, I think. Oh, and then this moment the next morning. So Willow just freaking, oh, what I was going to say, I don't think I really said it. Um, Bruca was proudly displaying her scratches. You know, she's like wearing this skimpy little spaghetti strap. And I thought that was just a good, it might not have been intentional, but the fact that she's completely comfortable with who she sees herself, she sees herself as being a werewolf. She's completely comfortable with that. She displays that. She displays that sort of animalistic sense to her whenever she's singing, whenever the way she dresses, like she, she doesn't feel like she needs to explain why she has scratches all over her. She's not covering them up at all. So next morning, Willow shows up with like donuts and coffee or something at the cage because presumably she's just going to go talk to him. She's going to work it out with him. She seems to be in a good mood. She's like skips down the steps of the mausoleum and then immediately she, you know, drops the, the bag and the coffee and you know, everything that happens from this point forward in the episode is just the pain of Willow. And she does this, Allison Hannigan can cry like no one else can cry. You know, she does the full wailing, blubbering, like it is heartbreaking and it is always heartbreaking when she's not okay. And this is the first time we see her at like totally rock bottom. Like we've seen Willow in distress before, but we haven't really seen Willow in despair this is, we saw a touch of that whenever, you know, she cheated on Oz and Oz, you know, needed time. 
you know, she had some despair in her at that point, but it was much more contained. This is pure, unadulterated despair, and we're going to see that in Willow for the first time. And I, I hate to, I know I sound like I'm excited about it, but it's something that this epi this show does well, is express angst. And if we didn't have, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Alison Hannigan, both are incredible actresses. If, if they weren't able to bring that pain, this show would not be as effective. So all the awards to Alison Hannigan from this point forward, because she sells that pain and misery in a way that no one else can. Um... <laughs> Veruca, whenever she like stands up, so they're both like naked in the cage, and Willow's just like standing there, like crying, and Oz is trying to defend himself, and Veruca sort of stands up, and she does it in this very like, very animalistic way. The the shot of her standing up and just like being not at all like self conscious about the fact that she's naked right now, in front of Willow. Um. And the way that she stands up, my mom goes, that bitch. <laughs> it's a very visceral reaction to that shot. And like, you can see it as like, ooh, sexy, sexy werewolf lady. But you can also be like, that bitch. So I get it. I get it. But that was just funny because it's probably like the only reaction that my mom had to this entire episode when I was watching it with her the other day. It just went, that bitch. Um, Oz is, I don't like how he is in this episode. I mean, obviously he's defensive. He didn't mean for Willow to show up and catch them there together. I don't know what he was planning to do because he pulled her into that cage and started making out with her hardcore before they even turned into werewolves the night before, you know? So like he was going to have something to talk to her about. He was going to have some explaining to do, even if she hadn't showed up. So did he have nothing ready to say to her because this was clunky like he's like i had to i i you know she was gonna hurt somebody i i found out she was a werewolf this isn't what it looks like blah 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 and he's just straight up squirming and lying to her so that bothers me and willow's like but you did have a choice you could have told somebody um, and Veruca at this point, she's like putting her clothes back on and she says, girl's got a point. And this is the other thing that bothers me. The way that he treats Veruca, he dismisses her in such a violent way. I mean, again, this whole episode is about how Oz doesn't actually have the control that he thinks he has, that he wants everyone else to think he has at the very least. So this makes sense that he, he just like turns turns on her and he's like get out now and he yells at her and she just disappears you know that's it for her um like of course like she doesn't need to be a part of this conversation but the fact that he's just immediately vehemently dismissive towards her as if all of this is her fault that bugged me because yeah she's the other woman yeah she's trying to steal someone else's man and all of that but if you look at things from her point of view, it's, 
it would make sense. You could see how her motivation kind of makes sense. She grew up in a different way because she obviously accepts herself for her werewolf side and she's just chosen a completely different path. Yes, it's wrong that she allows herself to kill people. That's not okay. Yes, it's wrong that she's like worming her way into someone else's man, but also he is susceptible you know, like he has just as much choice in this as she does. Nothing was non-consensual. Um, and he's, you know, he's obviously misdirecting everything towards her. And that bugged me. Um, da, da, da. So they, you know, Willow and Oz start arguing or, you know, talking about it at this point. And at one point, you know, like Buffy or Willow's talking about, you know, how much it hurts, blah, blah, blah. And Oz says, I know, I remember. And Willow just recoils. She's like, oh, I deserve this. Um, what, you know, and then she says something like what happened with me and Xander does not compare. And I have to disagree there. I think that what happened between Willow and Xander was a much more hurtful thing than this, this weird little, like Oz's animal within recognizes the animal within of someone else. And they have some wolf sex and, you know, it's wrong and he should have told someone and it would be hurtful as fuck from Willow's point of view. Absolutely. But with Willow and Xander, they had weeks of like making out behind Oz's Oz and Cordelia's backs. They lied for weeks. They, um, they were best friends and they've known each other forever. And then they continue to be best friends after that. And Oz hangs out with him and Oz accepts him as a human being. And he decides to forgive Willow. Like, and he trusts her again. And that, I mean, I guess I agree that it doesn't compare because what Willow did to Oz, I think, was way worse. Let me know if what you guys think. Um, I mean, I realize that I guess the metric that the show wants us to compare it to is that, you know, Willow and Xander just kind of made out a little bit. You know, they just kissed several times, you know. And what Oz and Veruca did was probably sex at least once, maybe twice as werewolves, you know? Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think that's the only thing involved. I think the emotions involved between Xander and Willow were much more hardcore. The time, the time and the emotions in that affair were way worse. Whereas the transgressions between, um, Oz and Veruca were immediately discovered. You know, they had had like less than 24 hours of any involvement with each other that was wrong before Willow found out, you know? Okay. Willow's pain. This is the first time we really see how deep it can go. Yeah, I already kind of talked about that. Um, how Willow's pain can be so fucking soul-wrenchingly deep that she could call vengeance demons to her, you know? Um, 
then she kind of like she's kind of in shock so she's left just kind of run away she doesn't want to talk to Oz anymore and she sort of wanders out into traffic and Riley has to save her obviously this moment was pretty much just put in here so that we could have Riley involved since Riley's gonna become a much bigger deal um, Buffy couldn't was like running across the street to try to help Willow and she couldn't get there in time but Oz was already on that side of the street so he saved her um, the the car that was about to hit Willow just like didn't even slow down at all like I don't know it I think it was just kind of shot badly like it just looked like that person had plenty of time to slow down but that's just another nitpick from me um then so at this point you know it's early in the morning because she just went to see Oz and it's early in the morning I guess we're supposed to think that a lot of that Buffy just spent the whole day with Willow because the next scene is just sort of like cut to Buffy's like hey I gotta go find this bitch before sundown you know we can't just let her because this is the last wolf night um I'm so sorry but I have to leave you right now and then we get that familiar like Willow saying she's fine but you know she's not fine and then she goes and tries to do a spell and there's this whole misdirection thing um because Veruca's going to her because I guess she's decided to kill Willow that's her solution to this whole thing is to get her out of the way um which I think doesn't really make sense like I get that Veruca's super into like she's met another werewolf and she's attracted to him in and out of werewolf drag but I don't think that's it again I just feel like this whole storyline is rushed if they had built this up more if this if this particular arc had happened you know I mean I guess they probably had planned for it to happen over several more episodes and they just had to push it up like I said before anyway I just don't think that she would be like she's into him yes but she's not so into him that she would be killing Willow I, I, I don't find that believable I don't find her motives I don't you know I don't think I just don't I don't find that believable anyway um so she she tries to do a spell she's invoking satanus and the devil like wow satanus and the devil <laughs> ruka's hunting for willow blah 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 i like that so buffy catches up to oz and she's she just kind of barges in and says where is she and oz does not try to act like he doesn't know what she's talking about even for a second he's just like um, I don't know I already called all her all the places that I know she could be um, I think the next our next bet is to try to find her using my wolf smell and so she's like okay come on let's go he starts to explain himself he's like Buffy you should know and she interrupts him and she says now might be a great time for your trademark stoicism like she's obviously angry at him you know and defensive and protective of Willow but she knows she has to get something done right now so she's still going to um, you know work with him and I think this is just very mature she's like she's like nope I'm not gonna listen to your excuses and he stops 
He does not try to keep going. So good on him for that. I did like that. Um, the initiative kind of like catches up with Buffy and stalls her for like five minutes um, while Oz is running to when they realize that like Veruca has baited them um, and misdirected the scent and she's actually probably going for Willow. How do they fucking know that she, how? How do they know where she is? Because they catch up to her and she's in like a chemistry lab. She's like thinking about doing a spell and she stops herself. Uh, but she almost does like a hurtful spell towards both Veruca and Oz. But the initiative distracts. Buffy like runs into them. They were probably hunting um, werewolf. They were probably hunting the werewolves, uh, which would make sense. I guess that ties all back to Professor Walsh because she probably told her initiative people and they were hunting the werewolf and okay, um, that, that tracks now why they were out there, but they distract Buffy for a second. Buffy has to fight this initiative dude. Um, is it Riley? I don't know. I doubt it because, you know, he would know that it's her. Um, but so she gets distracted, so she almost doesn't get there in time, but Oz gets there and like Veruca has shown up and she's like, I'm going to kill you now, you know, and she's about to turn because it's almost sunset and, um, Oz shows up and just threatens Veruca and Veruca is just kind of like, she's kept you in a cage. We're animals. We kill. And Oz is just like, you're right, we kill. And he turns on her and then, and at this point they're transitioning, which looked really cool actually. Like I liked the effects makeup of like, especially Veruca because they just, that like partial transition that they did on her. I just thought it looked cool. But anyway, um, then they turn into full wolf form and they fight each other and Oz just rips her throat out. It looks terrible. They just did not spend a lot of time on the wolf outfits. I just, I mean, maybe they did. It does look a lot better now than it did in the beginning, but just like, I just feel like they could, they could do better. They could do better. I don't know. Werewolves could be, I don't know. They could look cooler. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, I get why Professor Walsh was confused whether they were gorillas or dogs. <laughs> Um, okay, where, where are we? We're on my last page of notes. Um, again, I just really don't think that he should have killed her. Like maybe he, they could have just like been fighting and then Buffy catches up and she tranks both of them and I don't know, but I guess they just had to put like a def, they really wanted us to see that even in wolf form, his protectiveness towards Willow, the f how much he loves Willow is so strong that he would kill this person that he's very, very attracted to. Even it, it crossed over into wolf form, you know, even when he says he doesn't remember anything and when he's completely different because he's in wolf form, he's still continued killing Veruca to protect Willow. Even though he didn't have his full wits about him, he still did that. And I know that that's the entire reason for that, but I still just think it was a little much to kill Veruca. Um, 
Buffy hugs Willow, and it's a very good mirrored scene between Willow is just completely gutted at this point. So they've, um, Buffy's shown up, she tranked, um, Oz, Baruch is dead, of course, and she just runs straight to Willow and just comforts her, and Willow's just, you know, abject sadness. It's just wailing, and it's a good mirror to, you know, when Buffy was just completely devastated after Angel left her, and, um, Willow was comforting her. It's a, it's kind of a, the same shot. And this is a nice little moment of like, this is really the only time again, that the show runners decided that the episode didn't have to tie back into Buffy. It's maybe the only time that happens. We don't ever get an episode that, I mean, there was that one episode for Xander that like, didn't really have much to do with Buffy. It was from his point of view. But that's kind of it. Like, we don't really get any other episodes that aren't centered around Buffy. And this is the only moment that, like, this entire episode, Buffy is being there for Willow. And we don't really ever see that. You know, the fact that she just wordlessly runs to Willow and hugs her as she's disintegrating is an act of friendship that we we just don't see Buffy being that selfless. So this was just a nice, I don't know. I just wish we had seen this, this kind of thing more. Um, Buffy hugs Willow. She's gone from shock to abject sadness. Buffy tells Giles about initiative guys. So we get this little scene of Buffy and, um, Giles sitting on the, ca his couch and of some great shots of his awesome house. I love his house. Um, and she starts talking about, you know, I got distracted for a second. I almost didn't get there in time because there's these initiative guys. And she's like, I saw them in Halloween, but I just assumed it was a costume. And she's like, there's this guy in full army gear, blah, blah, blah. It's a setup because the next episode is called The Initiative. So it's going to be all about that shit. I keep saying initiative guys, but we don't know that yet. Technically not a spoiler free podcast. <laughs> um, and she's just, you know, she's talking about Willow. And she's distracted by Willow. She's like, I've just never seen her this way. And Giles says, well, you felt that way yourself and you got through it. And Buffy's like, yeah, I ran away and then I went to hell and then I got through it. <laughs> I hope she doesn't use me as an example. Um, and then we get that scene between Willow and Oz where she goes to see him. This is, you know, he's the danger of wolfiness is over. It's three nights. We've seen all three nights at this point. He got tranked the last night. And he, so she goes to visit him at his place and he's packing a duffel bag. And she's like, what are you doing? You're leaving? When? He's like, pretty much now. Do I get a say in this? No. Or wait, here's the dialogue. That's your solution? Oz says, that's my decision. Willow says, don't I get a say? No. And so he, you know, he expresses to her that he loves her, that he's, but he has to go. Like Veruca was right in that there's, the wolf is inside him all the time. He doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know where he fits in the continuum of wolf versus Oz. And he needs to go figure it out. 
And at least at this point, he's got another like 28 days before he has to worry about where he's going to lock himself up. <laughs> and um, I think this is a great way to get to break up this relationship in general. Again, I think they should have spent more, t spent more time doing it. It's heartbreaking because, you know, Willow's just like tears dripping off of her chin, rolling down her face. Her eyes are all puffy. They're just like, she's the best crier ever in the history of the universe. Like I said before, um, Seth Green doesn't really bring it emotionally. Like he can't really do that. Like he's got the stoic cool guy thing. He's got that but he really couldn't be the center of a show that needed a full range of em of emotion like Alison Hannigan yeah she could do that she could be Buffy if she needed to be but Oz doesn't really totally bring it like this this entire scene is just reacting to Alison Hannigan's performance for the most part like you know he looks upset i guess but <laughs> <laughs> and then he drives away at the end and it's just oh Oz he's gone he's gone but I think it's time I think he needs to learn I wish they would have dealt with this character exit a little differently like I guess the writers had talked about having him as sort of a recurring role every once in a while but they decided not to do that and I wish they I wish they hadn't done that. Like, basically, he shows up again, and he's like, hey, I learned how to keep the wolf at bay, blah, blah, blah. Um, isn't that cool? And then he just disappears again. But he could have, like, come back and enrolled in school. Like, he could have maybe been some sort of part of the storyline, even though he wasn't going to be with Willow anymore. I don't know. He could have been a part of it, but they chose not to do that. So, whatever. Okay. Um, so let's do ratings. We didn't even start talking about Angel yet. Um, so, like I said, object of the episode, Veruca's necklace. Outfit of the episode, Veruca's outfit. Um, quote of the episode. What is the quote of the episode? Oh, I forgot to even mention, like, Spike. Spike shows up at the very beginning of the episode and you see him getting like tased or electrocuted or something and he's like i'm back and the big bad's back and this time because he's like lurking watching buffy she just killed that vampire at the very beginning and he's watching her so they're setting that up um and it, just like in the middle of his speech when he's like and this time and then he gets electrocuted so yay spike's getting his chip right now guys um Let's see. MVP. Oh wait, we need we need a quick quote. I feel like I labeled something quote at some point. Oh, at th that very last scene. So like Oz is saying to Willow, you know, I need to go somewhere. I I need to figure out, you know, what this means. The fact that I'm a wolf. I need to get control of this. And he says. Um, and until I do, I, I don't need to be around anyone. And then Willow says, well, you know, people, kind of a planetary epidemic. <laughs> so that's the quote of the episode. I'm going to start saying that all the time. People, 
planetary epidemic. Okay. Um, and then MVP of the episode. Okay. I know I shouldn't do this. Um, I know people won't be happy with this decision, but I'm going to say it's Veruca because I don't think she should have been killed. I do think she was a shady person that needed an intervention. She needed some help. But again, like Oz says at the end of the episode, she had a point. He needs to figure out, you know, his control. He needs to figure out what this wolf thing means for him. And he needed something to make him realize that. Something very dramatic. And so I'm giving it to Veruca. R.I.P. Veruca. You could have, I mean, she had musical talent. She could have been redeemable and she wasn't treated so dismissively, but she was a one-off character. We can't have everything. Um, five by five treatment of women in this episode. Despite the fact that, you know, Veruca was just sort of baldly painted as, you know, evil seductress. And I think if this were truly a feminist show, there would have been more nuance to that and it wouldn't have just been that. Although they do show her being nice to Willow in that scene when they all sat together for lunch. Um, I think that could have been done a lot sloppier, but it could have been done better. Um, Buffy and Willow were, I think it's fine as far as treatment of women. I'm going to give it a four. It's better than bad. It's good. As far as overall enjoyability of the episode, obviously this episode is upsetting, but it's overall, despite its flaws, I think it's good. So I'm going to actually give it a four because this episode is something that needs to be there. And it's, it's really nice to get an episode that isn't about Buffy. So this episode gets a 16 as the overall score. So here's how I'm going to talk about the Angel episode. The Angel episode is called Sense and Sensitivity. I did not take notes because I completely fucking forgot. And also, I... <laughs> I just don't... I want to find a way to make sure I don't talk about Angel too, too, too much because that's not what this... Um, that's not what this podcast is about. It's not about Angel. So... Since I forgot to take notes, the way that I've chosen to do this this time, I hope this isn't like copyright infringement. I'm going to read directly from Nikki Stafford's Angel episode guide entitled Once Bitten. And I'm just going to read the whole like description of the episode to you guys, as long as it's not too long. It's not, it's two pages. That's all right. That's not terrible not even quite two pages. And I'm just going to sort of comment as I read the, like the thoughts of Nikki Stafford, give her full credit here. Um, and that's going to be our summation of the angel episode this week. Okay, here we go. 
Um, so it's called Sense and Sensitivity. The um, one sentence summary of the episode is the police officers in Kate's precinct become simpering, overly sensitive basket cases after a sensitivity training course. So there was this talking stick that was enchanted that, you know, if anyone touched the talking stick, they became like, they just like overly shared everything. And there were funny moments involved. Okay. Then this is where her um, opinions start. Sense and Sensitivity is the angel debut of future executive producer Tim Minear. The episode seems to draw a line between sensitivity and oversensitivity, showing that people don't seem to possess possess enough of the former. I just um, heard my notification. It is midnight now, guys. I started this at like 1030. Okay. Um, my legs are going to be sore when I stand up. Let's see. Where are we? This episode seems to draw a line between sensitivity and oversensitivity, showing that people don't seem to possess enough of the former and society pushes people toward the latter. Throughout the hour, we see a lack of sensitivity between father and daughter, between friends, and between boss and employees. Angel could stand to notice how hard Cordelia and Doyle work and stop giving them awful cleanup jobs, and it wouldn't hurt Trevor Lockley to show some kindness to his daughter every once in a while. That's, um... Kate's dad. Unfortunately, when a lack of sensitivity gets out of hand, the Dr. Lauras of the world step forward, offering huggy bear solutions and hollow advice. Kate stands up to her father ineffectually and publicly, driving a further wedge between them rather than patching things up. Angel becomes the new agey boss who worries about everyone's feelings but becomes ineffectual as a fighter. This episode gives some background on Kate's character, and we discover why she acts like such a hard ass all the time. She's trying to prove to her father that she can be like him and to her fellow officers that she's not an emotional woman. We find out, I mean, you get that in traditionally masculinized um, professions, such as being a cop. It totally tracks that she would be like that. She's trying to prove to her father that she can be like him and to her fellow officers that she's not an emotional woman. We find out that Trevor forced Kate to suppress her grief when her mother died and that he suppressed his own. It's his grief that needs to be let out every once in a while in order to stay sane. Though the script is strong, this episode has its problems. The actors pretend they're drunk in order to come off as overly sensitive um, and it doesn't work. Also, everyone says they're acting with sensitivity when they should be saying oversensitivity, since having sensitivity isn't a bad thing. Kate's confession to the room of police officers is so heartfelt, and her father is so nasty about it, we can't help but think that if he'd been more sensitive to her feelings, she'd be a healthier person today. Oversensitivity can be detrimental, and not having any sensitivity upsets others, so everyone needs to find a middle ground. By the end of the episode, everyone crawls back inside themselves and pretends nothing has happened, which can be just as hurtful as the crazy pop therapy that charlatans try to sell people. So the highlight, Nikki Stafford says, is Angel saying, you could be a rainbow and not a pain bow. So it's pretty funny because Angel's actually affected by the whole thing. When he gets, when he touches the talking stick at one point, he, and that's where the humor in the episode really lies is, you know, Angel. Interesting facts. The guy who plays Tony Papaz, Papazian's henchman now stars on The Sopranos. 
now stars. <laughs> um, this, this book was written a long time ago, guys. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read all the other stuff. Nitpicks. Where did Angel get the really loud outfit to use at the pier? He reaches into the back of his car like he just happens to have crazy Hawaiian shirts back there all the time. That is something that I noticed myself. Oops. In the very beginning, when Kate is chasing Spivey, she throw, he throws a bag that lands on top of a car, but when Kate kicks him, it's gone. Okay, whatever. Um, blah, blah, blah. I thought I would have more to say about this episode while I was reading that. <laughs> Um, I guess it's possible that there are going to be a lot of times when I don't have a whole lot to say about the Angel episodes. I, I was trying to remember because I'm trying to keep track of whether or not the Angel episodes pass the Bechdel test because they're far less likely to do so at this point. Um, I don't know since I wasn't taking notes. There is a conversation between Kate and Cordelia at one point but Kate is already like under the influence of a talking stick and she starts talking to Cordelia about how Doyle is into her, like right there in front of Doyle, like you guys should make this thing happen. So I don't know if at any point during that exchange, she talks, Kate talks to Cordelia about anything other than Doyle who's standing right there. So it's possible this episode does not pass the Bechdel test because this episode is just all like Kate in rooms full of men, Cordelia in rooms full of men. I don't think we even saw any other women at all in this episode. Just Kate, just Cordelia. That is it. Um, it was okay. There were some funny moments, but overall I just don't have enough memories about it because at this point it's in the wee hours of the morning on Sunday and I watched it Thursday evening and forgot to take notes and I don't have the best memory in the world and this is probably like the second or third time I've seen this episode and it was just it does kind of explore a little bit of themes of toxic masculinity I feel you know because a lot of the episode deals with a bunch of people in a police precinct sharing their feelings because they, you know, got infected by the sensitivity mojo. But I don't know if the episode was entirely effective for what it was trying to do. I think it could have been done a lot better. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess I could give it some ratings. I don't really have, I don't know if it passed the Bechdel test. There were no new small blonde women that Angel needed to save, just Kate. Um, there was just a little bit more development in the, you know, Doyle is into Cordelia bullshit, which I don't care. Just get him out of here. I can't wait until he leaves. I know that's kind of insensitive to say because that actor isn't around anymore, but, um, I just, I don't like him and I don't like his character and I'm ready for Wesley and Fred and Gunn. Um, I, yeah, anyway, I just, I don't really care if I ever see this episode again. So let's rate it and move on. Um, as far as treatment of women in the episode, they're, like most episodes of Angel, just the total absence of women is the biggest problem. Um, 
they don't explicitly talk about, you know, how Kate feels about being like the only woman in this huge precinct of men. Um, when it was very stark, I remember whenever she was at like the party, it was like a retirement party for her dad. And she comes in like wearing this beautiful flowery slip dress thing. And everyone else from the precinct, they're all like wearing suits or they're in uniform and it's very stark contrast of like her being the not only the only woman in the room but she's dressed in a in a flowery feminine out scantily clad outfit and everyone else is fully clothed mask around her mask isn't masculine um so i i mean that was probably a commentary but Again, I don't even know if the episode was necessarily trying to make any sort of commentary on toxic masculinity. I don't know. It It's possible I'm giving it too much credit by saying that it was trying to make that kind of commentary. It just wasn't. I think the actress that plays Kate did a great job with her performance on this episode. Treatment of women as far as... It just wasn't good. Cordelia was whining to Angel that she wanted him to notice her shoes. Kate is crying a lot because her daddy didn't love her. You know, it just seemed like it was a lot of tropey shit. They they did it in a kind of a nuanced way. It wasn't super awful. But overall, I'm going to give this a two for treatment of women. And then... As far as enjoyability of the episode, like I said, I don't really care if I ever see it again. So let's give it a two for that. It wasn't the worst Angel episode. There will be far worse Angel episodes. This one was perfectly fine. It just wasn't very good. Fine, but not good, I guess. <laughs> what is the scale? Terrible, fine, good, great, and spectacular. On that scale, it was fine. <laughs> Um, so let's give it a two for that too. So this episode gets a four and I didn't even write that down and I'm never going to remember that again. So it's lost in the ether. I don't think I'm going to keep track of the scores that I get the angel episodes, even though I'm going to be telling you about them. <clears throat> I say this every single episode, but I'm still feeling out how I'm going to do this whole angel episode thing. Um, Thanks for bearing with me during that process, guys. What do you think? Do you want me to talk more about Angel? Do you want me to talk less about Angel? Do you want me to stop talking about Angel altogether? I'm not going to do that because I am going to watch it still. So there's going to be some mention of Angel. But um, again, like I just don't need to spend that much time on it. Unless it's an episode that includes Faith or it's like a very Cordelia-centric episode. You know, like this one was not either of those things. So let's move on. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, sorry about, you know, talking forever, but not feeling like I had a whole lot to say this week. It's sad to see Oz go, but I'm so ready for Tara. So like, I'm kind of happy to be closing that chapter to have that behind us. Um, we're going to see some serious angst from Willow in the next few episodes, but we're going to get through it guys. I promise. So next week, we're going to be talking about the initiative, and I will see you guys then. Bye!